Welcome to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing, where we bring you hot topics, best practices, exciting guests, and innovative ideas. Market Chat is brought to you by Government Marketing University, and it's an ongoing series that provides an open and collaborative interaction between government and industry to ensure that our listeners walk away empowered with greater knowledge on how to better market to their federal state, and local audiences. So welcome to Market Chat to all of our listeners today. I'm really excited. I'm co-hosting today with Steve Watkins. Hello, Steve. How are you? Great, Luann. Good to be here. Nice to have you here, as always. Steve is our Chief Content Officer at Government Marketing University, and he's also um, has been our co-host here on Market Chat, and this is our seventh episode. So we're very excited of who we have in the studio today. So, Steve, I'm going to turn it over to you to introduce our guest and to market to our first segment. Great. Well, thanks, Luann. So, uh, we are into uh, uh, the early fiscal year of 2018 already, and that uh, almost always means we're in a continuing resolution. So that's our topic today. We're going to talk about CRs and kind of what they are, how they work, and how do they affect um, not only government uh, spending and procurement, uh, but also what do what should marketers take away from uh, some of those uh, impacts and, and how can they best kind of hone their marketing uh, campaigns and, and programs uh, around the, the impact of a CR. So we have two guests today that I'm very excited to introduce, and they are both uh, Government Marketing University ambassadors, which uh, means they're former federal executives. And <clears throat> uh, the first is uh, Karen Britton, who is vice president and COO at eManagement. And Karen is the former special assistant to the president and chief information officer at the executive office of the president. So welcome, Karen. Great to have you. Great to be here, Steve. Thanks. And we also have Martha Doris, who's the founder at Doris Consulting International. Um, Martha uh, is the former deputy associate administrator for the Office of Citizen Services and Innovative Technologies at GSA. So Martha, welcome to you. Great to have you. Thanks, Steve. Glad to be here. So uh, we're talking about the CR. So I think a lot of people, in certainly listening to this show, are uh, have heard CR and continuing resolution, and probably know what a CR is. But uh, there may be some who who do not. But we'll uh, kind of start off by by laying a little uh, groundwork here on on um, the CR. So October one is the beginning of the fiscal year, and Typically, Congress doesn't have their appropriations passed by then, so uh, there's a, a stopgap funding bill, and it could go for two, three months. It could go well into the next fiscal year uh, and even into the into the calendar year, uh, into the second and, and third quarters of the fiscal year. So um, Federal News uh, just recently had an article on, on the CR, and, um, and, and I thought they summed it up well. They said, when it comes to appropriations, um, the regular order in Congress is irregular, so that's that's kind of where we're at. And there was a, a GAO report just uh, uh, about a week or two ago, and I was kind of amazed when I saw this. I, I knew we've had a long string of CRs, but in the last 40 years, there's only been four years where we have not had a CR, which is pretty amazing. Um, and the number of CRs per year can... In most years, it's probably two or three or four, but uh, there's been a number of year, uh, years with eight CRs, and even one year had 21 CRs, and that was 2001. So that was pretty uh, unusual. Uh, and like I said, the duration of CRs can can go, you know, can vary. Uh, there's been um, just this past year uh, went beyond May 1st, so you, you just never know. Um, so let's uh, let's talk about this. So, Karen, why don't, why don't you start us off? Why do we even have CRs, and, and why have they become such a normal part of the government cycle? Well, to your point, uh, Steve, CRs are the new norm. This is just the you know business that we're in. Essentially, when we get to this point, when Congress and the president uh, aren't able to agree or pass one or more of the regular appropriations bills, we certainly have to get into this continuing resolution because. We need to have the funding for our budget to support, whether it's from defense to infrastructure to things that we see playing out full and current, such as uh, the work of FEMA and so on. We have to have that in place. And I think 
there was foresight to get us now through the funding, at least through um, December 9th. Uh, you know, some of the challenges, of course, is that we are uh, seeing throughout the federal agencies that they're operating under the budget of the last fiscal year. So um, they are quite honestly having to maintain some of the work that they originally started uh, because, of course, as, as many of you know, there are no new starts and, and new programs. And so they're having to maintain uh, business based on the budgets of the last fiscal year. And that's not always an easy thing to do, but it does get us to uh, have the funding in place to maintain and continue to run government operations, if you will. So it keeps it basically it keeps government in kind of a steady state pattern, um, essentially extending the the level of funding from the previous year out indefinitely, really, until they pass an appropriation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so uh, so from a from the perspective of of the the spending and the procurement, how how, how does it impact uh, kind of the thinking amongst uh, government managers, Martha? So I, I think that in some ways people think about psychologically that they can't spend money on these new functions until they have a budget, um, which is true, except that they certainly can think about it, right? Like they can be prepared, um, I think, both from a government perspective and an industry perspective. Um, and we, you know, we, t we called it, you know, earlier about treating it as an opportunity. I mean, it. It is a good opportunity and good a good time where you can be creating those relationships and shaping opportunities as opposed to sitting and waiting for things to pop out of the procurement you know cycle whenever the CR is passed so that you can help agencies be um, be ready to go or at least have some ideas on what they're where they want to go. So um, I, th I think that because there's no new starts, uh, it's it's, um, it also behooves them to think about that before the end of the fiscal year. So if there's things that they want to get started, start them at the end so that they can continue to spend on them after the CR is in place. Yeah, and that, that's a, that takes me back to the, our last episode where we had Soraya Correa from Homeland Security Department. And that's, that's essentially what, what she told us was um, there's a lot of planning in the, in the last quarter of the fiscal year getting ready for that next follow-on fiscal year. And it's very important for marketers to really kind of stay tuned and know their know their marketer know their agencies know their customers, and um, kind of follows a lot of that kind of behind the scenes planning that's happening so they're ready when when things do pop. So exactly, Karen, were you going to add something? Well, yeah, I would say that you know marketers should definitely make sure they're solidly aware of that work that was starting in the current fiscal year 17 and that the work continues because they are there to support their clients, to support their programs, to support those initiatives. And they're going to want to achieve the objectives of what they've started. Uh, so that, that part about really working with your client, I think that Martha brought up taking stock of those initiatives, helping them identify their funding requirements and how they can actually protect them in a CR is one of the key things that we, in the last quarter of each fiscal year, need to be focused on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, even though there is a CR, there's still spending happening. So what, what kind of spending is that? And, and uh, how, how might our listeners, the marketers, uh, kind of tap into uh, whether, you know, how, how to um, uh, best be a part of that and, and and manage their campaigns to that spending? Well, I, I would say getting back to the, the last quarter, as, as we get into the summer, a lot of what you hear are things around the terminology around end of year, end of year sweeps or sweep up money. They're codified in different way, but they essentially mean the same thing. And it's it's really a way to redirect to what is unspent in terms of the obligated dollars and and uh, unfinished projects. So I think while there may be some limitations as we talk about CRs, there are ways that um, marketers, if you will, can provide that content and really the justification to some of the program offices that they support as they write up what goes into uh, that, that sweep up of where are our projects prioritized. 
And, um, you know, you're you you all are one of the best ones to write it up because you see the initiative, you know, the initiative, you kind of know where your program offices are headed and you can provide that during this time and evaluate the benefits of the program so that if that is a program that's discussed in the sweeps, that it can get the funding that it needs because that funding is obligated. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, Steve, you brought up the the um, the data around 40 years. There's only been four years that we didn't have a CR. Yeah, It's sort of like that's just the way we should be planning at this right. point, right? It's not. It shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody that we're going to have a CR. Sometimes it might be, you know, two weeks might be a month or it might be three months or, or longer, but... Um, that's, that is the way the government cycle has been working for a very long time. So, um, it's not a surprise. Right. And can I add something or, or ask maybe a question around that? Because that was a really interesting stat. And in my years of doing government marketing, one of the examples of hard to sell to government that a salesperson will say is, oh, we're in a CR, not going to happen. And so what I would like to come up with, and maybe this is, I know we have other things to talk to in this segment, but maybe if we don't get to it in this segment, we'll do it in the next one. But something we can empower a marketer so that when, oh, we're in a CR, that seems to be the story that sales carries to corporate headquarters. How can marketing then look smart? Not that the salespeople, they're smart as well, but how can a marketer look like they really understand that? And they can come back and say, yes, we're in a CR. And it goes back to what you said, Karen, the benefit. We're in a CR, but here's how we can market around that. Yeah, exactly. I, it's, I'm, it's, it's an opportunity. I think I'm hearing it's an opportunity. Turn it, Let's turn, flip, flip it on its puppy. head and yes. turn it into an opportunity. Uh Marketers need to be aware of certain things that are just not going to happen on October 1. You're not going to have a lot of folks traveling. You're, you know, you may not have the value of the face-to-face meetings, getting like the decision makers in place. And so what do you what do you do with that? How do you um, transfer that like into a marketing campaign? And it, I, I think the focus may be on digital. It may be on content management. It may be, you know, turning yourself into some thought leaders because, again, you're strategizing with the money that they have. Uh, you may be intimate with the program, and you're helping them to prioritize what they can continue working on. So some of that, and that, that ties into that integration piece, I think, between marketers and some supply and some BD people who are really going to start looking at their pipeline as they start the first quarter of the fiscal year. I also think that uh, government employees are reluctant to talk to people in companies when they're in the middle of a procurement. So this is again, an opportunity where they're not in the middle of a procurement. They can use it as market research and use it as a way to start telling your story on the products and services that you sell, how you can help them, you know, create value for their customers and and what you can do to help them. And so helping helping agencies in developing that relationship, there's no better time than during this because there are some things that are kind of in the middle of the, you know, kind of in a lull at that point. Right. That, I think that's a real good point because they don't want to talk when they're procurement. Exactly. So, so this is that time of market research. And marketers, know your business, know your niche. If it is, uh, you know, digital management, if it is cybersecurity, so that you're very, very specific on what you bring. And those discussions can be had early on because... They're in a they're in a status quo. They're kind of ma- maintenance mode, and some of the ideas of what they'd like to get started with, they're sort of gelling those and and sort of forming those around. And I think it's really good for marketers to engage in that because then that that then does fit into that whole pipeline BD discussion, sales discussions. I also think that there's a at least I've found since I've been on the outside. Companies don't want to spend the time talking to somebody if there's not like an immediate need and something that is, you know, an opportunity that's like been vetted, there's money, they're ready to go. And I think that's exactly the wrong attitude because that's when you develop the trust that people know you're spending time with them, even though there's not going to be money in their pocket, like in the next week. And that's um, so many companies are driven, you know, monthly, quarterly, even weekly 
um, you know, numbers in terms of sales that they don't have either the, the staff or the time to build, um, you know, those relationships. Mm-hmm. You mentioned trust. And one of the tools that I like to use myself um, with potential customers is uh, Rock, which starts with the R is relationship. And that's the trust. And that you transition that into an opportunity and ultimately what you hope is a contract. <laughs> that's great. I like that. I like that. So Martha and Karen, uh, I, I didn't say at the outset, and but I'll say it now, are uh, two of our regular guests on the Government Marketing University podcast series, The Federal View. And they discuss all sorts of uh, current day topics like the CR and, and much more. So uh, definitely tune into that. So uh, next segment, we'll continue the conversation. Okay, yes. So we have to go to break. So ladies, thank you. And um, we'll be back and we'll continue this discussion as well as some hot topics that I know we have um, on our plate that are just heating up our notes to talk about. So um, you've been listening to Market Chat brought to you by Government Marketing University, where we bring you government marketing hot topics, exciting guests, and innovative ideas on government marketing. You're listening to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Are you a government marketing professional? If so, you should know about Government Marketing University's GAIN Conference on October 13th in Reston, Virginia. GAIN stands for Grow, Accelerate, Innovate, and Network. Our top-notch training and educational content, networking opportunities, and robust exchange of ideas will help you grow your skills, accelerate your marketing success, develop innovative marketing strategies and tactics, all while networking with your peers. Visit governmentmarketinguniversity.com. That's governmentmarketinguniversity.com to learn more about our 2017 GAIN Conference on October 13th. Brought to you by Government Marketing University. Well, welcome back to Market Chat, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Today, we are talking with two of our uh, ambassadors that Steve will reintroduce in just a minute. But I, I'm finding this fascinating because I know in my marketing world, I hear CR, haven't known what it meant. Now you've shared that with us. So thank you uh, for really talking about what it means. And I think now Steve's got some really exciting questions to ask to really understand the impact within a federal agency. And the more we know about that, the more marketers and sales are going to be able to sell through that. So, Steve? Yeah, thanks, Luann. So, um, again, we have Karen Britton, uh, Vice President and COO at eManagement and the former uh, Special Assistant to the President and CIO at the Executive Office of the President, and also Martha Doris, uh, founder of uh, Doris Consulting International, Uh, who was the former uh, Deputy Associate Administrator for the Office of Citizen Services and Innovative Technologies at the General Services Administration. So as Luann alluded, let's let's talk about what's happening inside the agency. So how is the uncertainty that comes with the CR um, kind of playing out in terms of uh, the impact on planning, budgeting, hiring, purchasing, and all that stuff? Well, you know, you, you take a step back and we realize that we have a president who has submitted a budget to the Congress in hopes of providing his roadmap for uh, accelerating economic growth, building on the infrastructure and certain things that he certainly wanted to see uh, taken on into this fiscal year and, and in hopes of a spending levels that the Congress would agree upon. So in some cases, you have some agencies who are looking at potential plus ups. Uh, with with, uh, with infrastructure on the rise and then others who may have been looking on the downside of things. And in this time of uncertainty, really with no new starts, you it's, it's very difficult for uh, those who don't necessarily have the money yet because they're operating on last year's budget and those who may have been looking to reduce having some of the challenges that they need to figure out in their workforce because they're not they're not really going to expand and they certainly are not looking for new contracts. So this is really uh, somewhat of a disruptor for many within the agencies because they are in maintenance mode. They may have some strategic plans and some ideas for what they want to do, but all of that is really pushed to the right. Wouldn't you say, Martha? Yeah, I would. And I think that the agencies, this is really a time of uncertainty for a lot of reasons, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got 
um, you just submitted plans, your final restructuring plans to OMB last week. That's um, right. So, so you've got your restructuring plans that have um, issues around what is the mission of your agency and how do you right-size your staff to actually address the mission of your agency. You've got, as you know, in the CIO world especially, you've got infrastructure modernization issues that are really the the central core to improving, you know, many things, including the, the, the internal customer experiences also with the systems and security, as well as your external customers. Um, you've got FATARA requirements so that you're all the pieces of FATARA and being able to provide good service so that you're, you know, and you understand what money you have and what areas you have responsibility for. And, and then you've got this budget uncertainty as well as now we're overlaying this importance of customer experience or citizen experience from the White House. So I think all of those things are, are in a situation where this is just one more piece of uncertainty. And so they've got a lot to do. Um, and this is just uh, another one of them. Yeah. And I, and I would just say, I think um, that gets lost a lot, uh, you know, from, from my experience, uh, my previous life in the, in the federal media, I think it gets lost how extraordinary federal executives and managers do and, and how well they perform uh, in these environments of just amazing uncertainty. And they still keep the trains moving. And that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that for both of us as as former execs in the government, uh, to your point, Steve, we had no choice, essentially, but to kind of keep uh, not only operations and maintenance going, but uh, looking ahead, uh, even, at, at, you know, what, what Martha uh, described as some of the issues of cu- customer service, cybersecurity, uh, you know, content management and so on. And and with the authorities given to CIOs for FATARA, that, that whole working closely with your CFO and your Chico, it becomes even more necessary in times like these that we're seeing in that. And I think those relationships have built up because of this. I mean, I can't say enough about federal employees. I don't think they get the credit that they deserve for actually taking on the valuable services that they provide, whether it's you know, touching every piece of food that we have on our plate or helping in times of disaster or what, you know, all the different services. I attended the Sammy Awards Service to America medals last week. And, you know, you can't leave there without, you know, just holding your hand over your heart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the uh, the disaster relief. You know, even in a CR, there's still some exceptions in terms of the level funding that agencies are experiencing because, you know, you have agencies like FEMA, um, DOD with, you know, contingencies going on at all times, Um, perhaps the census if we're approaching 2020, what have you. But there are some uh, agencies that actually that Congress factors into the CR at times, right? Sure. And And even as they're going through and looking at the appropriations, there are certain bills uh, such as DOD, which rises to the top, right. that will actually get passed and will actually have the fiscal year spending that they need, even though the full-on appropriations bill may not be passed. And and again, that, that goes to the priority of the government. It goes to the priority of where what, what we need to spend the money on. And, and so if you're in one of those agencies and you're a marketer supporting uh, one of those agencies, you certainly can help being representing industry by giving them the critical information that they need in terms of those budget priorities. You know it as best as anybody because if you're working very closely with your customer and your clients, you're well aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. You brought up the Census Bureau, so I can give you a good example of how budgeting really does impact an actual delivery of a program, which... The census needs money now in 2018, and if they get it in 2019, it's too late. And so what happened 10 years ago is they had to return, like if I remember correctly, $2 billion to the Treasury that wasn't spent because Congress didn't give them money until the year before before the actual census, and and that's not when they need it. They need it now. That's right. And so much about what's um, the the cost of the census is just – you know, marketing to people about filling it out online or filling it out when you got it in the mail. So
so that you don't have to send people to door to door to door. So there's the you know obviously the the funding issues uh, you know impact every part of a program and can cost us more money if they're not if it's not done in a timely way. That's right, and, and that was a key, that was a key uh, factor in the um, recent GAO report looking at the CRs was just the amount of inefficiency and waste that sometimes happens because of these constraints around spending. And um, right. so we, well, you know, when we go back and we think about sequestration of 2013, you know, there are reasons why it's really, really hard. Um, nobody ever wants to go through that. And, and having lived that on the federal government side, with a third of my staff, quite honestly, for those 19 days up until we got through October 19th of 2013. It's it's challenging as it is <clears throat> as a federal employee uh, with your staff, but then a limited reduction of staff and of contractors because it's, it's really only the uh, folks who are, quote unquote, in the accepted service who have that requirement to actually be on the bases, to actually be in the offices. And we saw that up close and personal, you know, here in Washington, D.C., when the national parks were closed. And certain things that people just didn't even realize that go into uh, when we don't have a CR. And and it it is, quite honestly, very painful. Well, we we talked earlier about it being an opportunity. Um, The opportunity is when there is a lot of money left at the end of the year, and and you're trying to go ahead and, like, you know, get your hands on some of that money. So I worked in a, um, I've worked in both when you had one year money and I've worked uh, where we had a fund that was multi-year and we didn't have to worry about um, spending money at the end of the year. Um, we did have to worry about under being under a CR and not having any new starts, but we still had money that we car- we could carry over and we could only use, you know, we had a fund and then the balances were only used for one-time things, not ongoing things. So you have to think about your programs and separate them into which kind of funding, you know, is it is it one year, multi-year, what kind of language is in the appropriations and how do you spend it um, correctly, appropriately, you know, and in the intent that it was appropriated by Congress. Yeah, it goes to that whole color money question exactly. about, you know, what are the terms of the money? And <clears throat> we were talking over the break, uh, there's the uh, the Management Act, as it's called, um, uh, that's pending in Congress, and and one of the things that it would do is create some revolving funds that might add a little bit more flexibility for agencies uh, in times like like these. So, so Martha, what, what's your take in terms of what that might do to help agencies? So, the Modernizing Government Technology Act will allow. There's a central fund that agencies can submit requests to to get funding to do modernization initiatives. That's then reviewed by a board. Um, but it also allows the 24 CFO Act agencies to create working capital funds within their agencies so that as they find efficiencies, they can put the money in that working capital fund and use that for modernization initiatives. So it's, it's definitely giving the CIOs some flexibility in terms of being able to keep the money that they can save through, however, consolidations, process improvements, whatever, to to, um, to find those efficiencies. Which is really key because uh, overall we're, we're always looking at the IT spending and such a high percentage really being spent on operations uh, to the better part of sometimes 60, 70, 80 percent of the budget right. where a lot is not on process improvements, strategic initiatives, and to have that money available um, because we've underspent or because, you know, we've closed data centers and done some optimization, that I think is really, really key and, a, and an important one to pass. Yeah, that's right. Let's let's talk a little bit more about kind of how marketers can tune their their campaigns a little uh, better to kind of the ebbs and flows of, of a CR. Um, so what, what would be your advice, Karen, in terms of how a marketer might think about, for instance, the timing of a marketing campaign? Well, again, because we see this as the new norm, as marketers are uh, looking at the last quarter of the fiscal year and uh, providing, I think, information to decision makers as they're trying to get into sweep ups, that's that's critical. But then, you know, turning focus to 
how they manage as as thought leaders, how they can actually get their message out uh, in a fashion that's not necessarily going to be face to face, but you know, online, uh, through the web, through webinars. I mean, so that nowadays, I think more and more federal leaders and or decision makers are going into these different vehicles, right? They're they're looking on a company's website. They're they're looking on LinkedIn. And so when uh, marketers can write, uh, whether it's uh, decision or white papers or decisive papers about a particular industry that they're in, say, for instance, it's on the cybersecurity side, decision makers can take a look at that and say, these are the people that I really, really want to work with. Uh, So this is not the time for a lag, I would say. This is definitely the time for strategies and moving forward. Yeah. And I imagine a lot of it also depends on, you know, what does that company do? What are they in the business of doing? Are they in the business of providing support for ongoing government operations, perhaps in uh, cybersecurity or network uh, operations or IT services? Or are they marketing to a, a big full and open competition contract, uh, maybe a new GWAC or something like that. So, of course, the, the timing of a, of a big uh, contract award could be affected very easily by a CR, right? So, Right. It certainly can. And, and I think that y- you really need to know that that whole pipeline and schedule, it's, it's to what Martha was saying about knowing the color of money, knowing if it's one-year money, multi-year money, um, being knowledgeable about your current statement of works is really, really important too. Great. Well, this was a, a fantastic conversation. Um, I just want to remind our viewers that Karen and Martha are uh, regulars on the uh, Government Marketing University podcast series, The Federal View. And I promise uh, our listeners, those are always extremely engaging conversations uh, and great podcasts to listen to. Um, so, Luann, what do you think, uh, from what we heard today, I think there's a lot of uh, great uh, takeaways here for, for marketers. Um, I think there is, and and I would be interested just to have each of our guests, both uh, Karen and Martha, like 30 seconds, best advice you could give to um, an industry person who's trying to crack the code during CR. What would be one tidbit of information that you would want to share with them? So I think that the... Um, this this CR or non-CR, I think that they need to um, not waste government's time. They need when they go in, they need to understand um, agency. They need to understand what their issues are. They need to understand, um, you know, what they have on their, you know, in their world, basically. Um, and don't be condescending. Just go in there, tell it, be go- and be good about describing what you do. How great, do you? How do great you? Great advice. It? Great advice, Karen. Uh, yes, understand your customer's pain points, really be able to articulate and prioritize the initiative, speak the same language that they do, and actually be able to identify the benefits of the program. So when you're reiterating it to them, they know that you understand the work. And, you know, we hear that consistently. So thank you to our guests today. Uh, you've been listening to Market Chat, brought to you by Government Marketing University, where we bring you government marketing hot topics, exciting guests, and innovative ideas on government marketing. Market Chat brought to you by Government Marketing University and Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Are you a government marketing professional? If so, you should know about Government Marketing University's GAIN Conference on October 13th in Western Virginia. GAIN stands for Grow, Accelerate, Innovate, and Network. Our top-notch training and educational content, networking opportunities, and robust exchange of ideas will help you grow your skills, accelerate your marketing success, develop innovative marketing strategies and tactics, all while networking with your peers. Visit governmentmarketinguniversity.com. That's governmentmarketinguniversity.com to learn more about our 2017 GAIN Conference on October 13th. Brought to you by Government Marketing University. Welcome back to Market Chat, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. 
This is Luann Brosman. I'm back as your host for this final segment of Market Chat today. And I'm so excited. As our listeners know, we've been talking with Martha Doris. Martha is the founder of Doris Consulting International. She is a government marketing university ambassador, meaning that she is a former government executive. And she's the former deputy associate administrator of the Office of Citizen Services and Innovative Technologies at GSA. And I'm really happy to also say Martha is one of my good friends for 20 plus years. So, Martha, um, we've told you already today, but I just want to welcome you back into Market Chat. Thank you, Luann. Glad to be here. I am glad to have you here. So we're going to have just a nice little chat now. Um, I learn so much from you, Martha, whenever I spend time with you uh, over coffee or wine or whatever it is that we're doing at that moment. And you are just such a well-known, respected uh, person in the government IT industry today as it pertains to what I've always called customer service, citizens engagement, that you are now calling and trying to start a movement that it really is citizens what? Citizen experience. Citizens experience. experience. So that's what I want to get across today. So in our next segment now, we're going to really peel back the onion layers, really hear from Martha, a little bit of background uh, that you came from as you grew up within GSA and you've seen it all around the whole citizen's journey, make it citizen's experience. And we're going to deep dive a little bit into how marketers can make sure they're marketing to government, making sure they're reaching their missions of uh, reaching their constituents, which is what it's all about. Well, thank you. So I guess I can start with, um, yeah, I spent about 13 years um, in the citizen services space at GSA. And in that area, we we had um, USA.gov, we had a contact center, USA, it's, it's now the USA.gov contact center, was the national contact center, and we had, um, we distributed publications from uh, across the government, as well as then we started uh, helping other agencies uh, in, t- in terms of creating products and services to help them improve the service that they delivered. So all along, we talked a lot about customer service and how agencies should deliver uh, service through websites, through contact centers, um, through social media. We began, you know, expanding into the area of, you know, identifying what the challenges were that agencies faced and try to open up those lanes for them. And and in the customer service space, you know, it, we talked for years about it. And then about seven or eight, nine years ago, I came across the concept of customer experience. And so the experience part of it brings into account more of the entire end-to-end journey that the citizen faces when they are um, interacting with the government. Uh, there, it's been, it's a, it's a ma- main differentiator in industry and has been for a while. Mm-hmm. And when you, it's, it's, you know, it's about brand loyalty. It's about ta- taking a good experience and turning somebody into a loyal customer. So from the government perspective, it is, um, there's lots of benefits to improving this overall experience, but it, it also encompasses things like governance. So who manages all your customer data in your agency so that you actually know what the experience that your customers or citizens are having? And that's something that marketers share with you because most marketers have companies that have customer databases. So I bet that marketers exactly. can learn from you on that. Well, and on, on the industry side, it's in the marketing department a lot that this customer experience um, is handled. Uh, they are starting to create chief customer officers in the on in the industry side, and we have a few in the government, which is part of the governance um, governance piece. Then you've got you know strategy. Do you have a customer strategy? Do you have a citizen strategy? Uh, do you have do you design using human centered design so that you're bringing in the the citizen or your customer when you're designing systems? Do you have the voice of the customer? How do you know what the customer wants? What their experience is? where their pain points are, and that gets you into um, not just surveys and focus groups, but it also gets you into identifying, and this kind of crosses over into design thinking around who are your customers, what personas are they, and how do you design that or uh, map that journey of your customer so that you can identify the experience they have along the way and Mm -hmm. identify where those pain points are to start prioritizing uh, fixes for it. Um, and then you have, the, you know, like the big, uh, you know, 100-pound gorilla, which is culture. Mm. And culture in the government is is 
you have lots of people that work tirelessly every single day, and we see it right now. I mean, look at um, you know the hurricanes, you know, right? Harvey, um, Irma, Maria. You know, we've got people you know working tirelessly to to help with victims of disasters, but where's the problem always happen? The breakdown. It's in communication. It's in stovepipes. It's in cultural issues that that have to do with just organizational design, but it's also in how people in the government are treated. Do they feel valued for the job that they do? The fact that they get beat up all the time. So you've got that big culture issue. So when you think about customer service, you're looking at one touch point. When you called somebody, did they give you the right answer? Did they, were they nice to you? Did they treat you with empathy? Or when you went on the website, did you get the information? Customer experience, when you think about the journey from the beginning to end is when a citizen has a problem and they and they try to identify where in the government do they go to get the right. answer through the completion of the transaction so that you can, you know, and, and how long did the transaction take? They may have had individual good experience, but it might have taken them three years to get their, you know, disability claim uh, heard. So that's the, the big difference. That's Yay. Love all of this. And I, and as I said in the beginning of this segment is there's so much synergy between what you're talking about and how marketers in their daily jobs, they are trying to do uh, persona marketing. They're trying to do the customer journey. And I believe that there's a lot of synergies here as well. So definitely I see a future of having you back many times within the Government Marketing University student base because you can offer so much insight. Uh, so I want to delve back a little bit. There's so many things I want to talk about. This is this is great. First off, I want us eventually to get to artificial intelligence because that is a term that is almost going to be overused soon. What does it really mean? And I know from talking with you in previous discussions, there's an absolute play, especially in contact centers for AI. Would you agree with that? I think that um, artificial intelligence is being used in lots of different applications in the government, but it's being used a lot in the contact center, customer service space. Okay. And we're going to come back to, to know more about that because there's a lot of marketers that I know would like to know how to market to government around AI. Okay. We'll come back to that. I also liked what you touched on voice of customer. So can you expand a little bit more on that, on how government agencies are at GSA? How did you go about understanding and listening to the voice of your customers? So voice of the customer is really um, taking all the data that you have about your customer's experience and turning it into actionable insights and 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 things that you can actually do to improve um, the experience that they're having. So you could have survey data, you could have focus groups, but you can have a lot of data that you have available to you that you don't even need to go out and ask them. What are they searching for on your website? What are they navigating for? Where what are your the analytics around your website and your contact center individually, but then and you can tell from that how long were they on the session, you know, how long were they on your site? Right. And and you can't say arbitrarily that if they're only on your site a short period of time it's bad or or it's good. You really have to dig into it to say what is the intent of your website. Some websites websites have a lot of content that you want them to stay on your site and read and navigate and conduct a transaction. Other websites like USA.gov always was sort of a portal with links to other websites. So you really wanted them to find what they needed and then link off to the, to the source that they needed or the information quickly. So you have to take it, you know, piece site by site. Mm -hmm. um, same with your contact centers. I mean, one of the, the, the pieces of data right now that's kind of not controversial, but that the government uses that that private sector doesn't use so much is your average call handle time. So all government contracts are put out. They're trying to get you to shorten the time that you have somebody on the phone. And what does it do? It gets people off the phone. And you might not have answered their question. So if you don't answer their question or solve their problem, they're going to call you back. Unhappy. And right. then you end up having so many more calls and it costs you more. That's why in terms of, you know, we can go over like the whole the benefits of, of focusing on your customer there's there's tons of benefits, including it's more efficient if you if you solve the problem the first touch point. Let's just go there. Tell me some other benefits. Well, I think you know efficiency is definitely one of them. So if you think about the VA, they have eighteen hundred websites. 
So that's how, crazy. Really? 1800? They, they thought they had 300, then they found 400, then they found X hundred, then they found, oh now they gosh. have 1800. No wonder there's issues for our poor vets. And, and contact centers are a big area within customer experience that has had no attention paid to it for a long time and is now beginning to get some attention paid to it because we think they spend the government spends 15 to 20 billion dollars a year on contact centers wow. and nobody's nobody's paid any attention so you know there's a lot of issues around contact centers in terms of they're not even organizationally connected to the rest of the digital services they're not even in many cases called digital services which they are they are because they handle almost every channel including the knowledge base that drives the content that's delivered to the to the citizen as well as uh, you know powers the content sometimes that's mm-hmm. on the website and those two need to be consistent or you're not getting the citizens not getting a consistent experience um, but you you've got um, you've got right now people looking at how do we modernize contact centers we don't use the latest and greatest in terms of artificial intelligence we don't use uh, CRM systems and in fact we have people like at, at the IRS, they answer about 40% of their calls and, and they literally will pick the pick the receiver up and hang it back up during tax season because they can't answer oh all the calls. Oh my goodness. And what happens to that person? They've been waiting for a while. They, they get, probably call back. Oh my or, goodness. You know, they're, they're not Hard satisfied. Reality. And that's, the that's uh, again, about customer experience, which is what do they think of the government? What do they think about how the government wants to, you know the importance that they play, they're trying to pay their taxes. They just have a question, right? Right. Um, So we did a visit um, to the Amazon Customer Service Center down in Kentucky. And their their big, our big aha moment with them is they consider every call a defect. So instead of looking at a call as like it's a nuisance to pick up the phone, they look at it that, that the customer couldn't get their question answered online and that that's their last resort. Hmm. So if they try to make it self-service, they try to automate a process. And if they don't, then they, they try to give them the best service that they can support they can. And they have a lot of other mechanisms to take all that call data and analyze it so that if there's a consistent call, then they, they, they provide, they find the root cause of it. They identify an owner and they give empower them to fix the problem so that they take all those calls off of their, um, you know, off of their plate. Um, so then, is that working well for them? It is. And is that something government is watching and paying attention to? Well, I think we're just best at practices? the very early stages of getting some of those best practices together from industry and in, in, um, making government aware. There's other, there's other things that kind of fall in this um, customer experience area around business process reengineering which again goes to efficiency in terms of your benefits so that if you can look at the process and change the process so that you're reducing the need for the citizen to call you or to come to you and it's not it doesn't matter one way or the other many of these like disability claims and have all been one one person had a problem they add a new law to it they add another rule to it another person has it they add another rule to it and it's gotten to the point where you have a very, very long process. Yes. So yeah. back to efficiency. That's that's definitely if you can if you can do it from the the outside in, from the customer customer's perspective in or the citizens, you're gonna be more efficient. You're also gonna improve the the um, engagement, employee engagement within government because if you have an engaged workforce, they're gonna provide better service. And if they if they have a job where people feel that they're valued then they're going to They'll be happier be more employees, empowered. which I would suspect mean that then the customers, citizens, constituents are being better taken care exactly. of. Exactly. You also have it's really that we, simple. We have a lot of data around trust in government, the improved trust in government when you get good experience, that you're engaged with government whenever you get good service. Um, and and um, people are just I mean, it's it's for the suppliers, it's for citizens and it's better for government if we focus on the government. It's the only thing I've ever seen that breaks down stovepipes in government in terms of instead of walking through this process of this organization does this and this does this, if you track the the actual transaction through mm-hmm. the process. Wow. You know, it's there. talk about a nexus between government and industry. And I think this is one of the thought leadership categories where there is absolutely um, continuity and complementary 
engagements needed, what commercial customers are trying to do or companies are trying to do, marketers are trying to do to keep their customers happy. It's the same issues um, that are happening on the government side. So I think one of the things for marketers listening today, everything you heard today, assume this is your customer relationship manager at corporate setting in California talking. So um, Martha, this has been great. A couple questions before we, we leave today. Uh, what would be the number one piece of advice that you would give to a government marketer trying to come into government to talk about how their company can help government be better at their citizens' experience? So I think, you know, I'm all about building relationships with customers and customer agencies. And so I think establishing that relationship and the trust between you and that agency and empathizing with the job that they have to do in the constraints that the government has is just, it crosses all, transcends all lines, regardless of what area that you're looking at marketing in. And and you can either, you know, take it in pieces or you can um, you can look at like a whole holistic kind of transformation of an entire service. Yeah, that, will you come back, you know, we're going to, uh, part I of what we do. I can talk about customer experience all day long, I know long, you Luann. can, and we're going to make that happen. And I know next year, uh, you're planning on actually doing some workshops. So we'll make sure through Government Marketing University because the knowledge that you can provide to our student base is invaluable. So we are so happy and proud that you're one of our ambassadors and we'd so look forward going into 2018, seeing what, what we can do together. Well, thank you for having me and letting me participate with Government Marketing University. You are so welcome. All right, so we have had a great conversation today. I learned so much when Steve was talking with both Martha and Karen about CR. I'm educated now. I got it. So we're going to take that news and, and make sure we share it. And as we do with all of our programs, we will be publishing this information on our website. So thank you for listening today to Market Chat. Um, I am Luann Brossman, your host. I have my co-host with me today, Steve Watkins. And you've been listening to Market Chat, where we bring you government marketing hot topics, exciting guests, and innovative ideas on government marketing. You've been listening to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM.